The young king sat on the throne, his outward air of confidence hiding nervousness and trepidation. Truth be told, he would have preferred something other than hearing from the line of people waiting to appeal to him. His brother Absalom had nearly stolen the kingdom from their dad David by drawing followers away, pretending to truly care about them and their concerns, and then betraying his own dad. This fledgling monarch knew he had a responsibility to provide good leadership to his people. These were God's people. He also had to guard the kingdom his father fought so hard to protect from interlopers who would try to lead the people astray. Some of the people already found themselves living in sin, as evidenced by two prostitutes who presented their case that day to the king. The story gets a little bit confusing, so we're going to call the first woman Frida for first, and the second woman we'll call Sophia for second. And I want to go ahead and apologize right now to all Fridas and Sophias listening out there. But Frida spoke up, and she told a story about a child was born to each woman, Frida and Sophia. But at some time during the night, Sophia rolled over on her own baby, and her own baby died. But deceptively and surreptitiously, Sophia replaced Frida's living baby with Sophia's dead baby. In the morning, when Frida woke, she knew the dead child was not hers, so she finished telling her side of the story. But Sophia disputed the whole thing. It didn't happen that way. And this left the king with quite the conundrum. So the king wisely repeated the scenario just to show he understood the case. Okay, so let me get this straight. So what you're saying, Frida, is that Sophia laid on her baby last night, but she replaced her baby, the dead one, with yours. And then she took your baby, the living one, as hers. Is that right? Yes, exactly. That's exactly how it happened. And Sophia said, no, that's not how it happened at all. Then Solomon surprised everyone when he called for a sword. The words must have floored his advisors. When he commanded, let's divide the child in half and let's give half of the living child to each of the mothers. The members of the court must have thought he had lost his ever-loving mind. And silently, they probably said, this guy's way too young, way too unwise. They remembered his father's record and probably thought, boy, this apple, it fell far from the tree. In fact, you can't even tell this apple belongs to that tree. But wisdom, godly wisdom, wisdom God promised to give Solomon, prevailed. Before the king had the opportunity to divide the living baby, the true mother spoke up said, No, no, no. You can give this baby to her. Please don't hurt my baby. And Solomon knew. The rightful mother was revealed, and Solomon pronounced that she should have the baby since she loves the baby. All the people of Israel were wowed when they heard the wisdom of King Solomon. They were in awe of him. Solomon proved that wisdom has practical applications, yields real-world results, even in the face of difficult questions and circumstances. Solomon succeeded where others might have failed because God gave him wisdom. Earthly wisdom certainly has some merit, but it can only take us so far because it's limited. But God sees and God knows everything, and he can and he will judge perfectly. And we would be wise to fear him, keep his commandments, and seek God's wisdom. We're going to hear more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. 
good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you, and if you were here in these United States, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you're around the world, I hope you're having a great week. Today's episode stems from a lesson dated November 27th, 2022, entitled Wisdom's Warning. And it comes from one of the books known as Wisdom Literature, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, we sometimes think the world is being inconvenient. We live in a time of convenience beyond the wildest dreams of previous generations. Just to think that people can place an online order and receive delivery within a day or two, sometimes even within an hour or two. Our needs, our wants, they can be met very readily, immediately even. Even when we find ourselves faced with the annoying inconvenience of a traffic jam that puts us home too late to make dinner, we can safely log on to a mobile ordering site, make a quick stop along the way, and have a hot, delicious dinner available for the family. We have modern conveniences our previous generations could have only dreamed of, and yet we have trouble making time for all the things we need to do. Our devices provide us access to the entire world, but cut us off from family and friends closest to us. Some of us might honestly prefer visiting with neighbors on the back porch and enjoying some good old-fashioned homemade ice cream and conversation instead of eating a pint of Rocky Road all by ourselves, battling loneliness while we attempt to keep up with our sea of Facebook friends. Some we've never even met. We have a comfortable, user-friendly world, and yet think we have little time for God. We might even look for a more convenient season to serve God. We would make time to seek the face of God, but we're just too busy, even though we have so many creature comforts and time-saving devices. We would turn to God, but something else has caught our attention, at least for the next 30 seconds. It's time to move on to something else. In the middle of all this convenience, we must realize, we have to realize, our soul depends on it. This is the time to serve the Lord. So here's our first question. What steps can we take to take and make more time to serve the Lord? There's a story told of an old tribal chief who welcomed missionaries to his village. And he decided to become a Christian, but he didn't really have a proper view of serving Jesus. He felt Christians couldn't do much because he equated being a Christian with being old. That attitude ignores the vitality of living a vibrant life in Jesus Christ. We can't ignore the fact that age someday will sap our strength and rob us of opportunities we might have now in our youth. The preacher in Ecclesiastes declared, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1. When we're young, we must remember our Creator because this aging process radically changes our lives later in our lives. We have precious elders in our church and they tell me about aches and pains and doctor's appointments and I realize getting old is not as fun as the brochure makes it out to be. Ecclesiastes 12, the preacher gave us metaphorical ways of understanding how our eyes, our ears, our legs, even our entire body, it will deteriorate with age. We read through the passage in Ecclesiastes and we can see age causes us to stoop over and lose our teeth, but so do Snickers bars, but, and struggle with fading vision. This passage speaks of death being nigh and causes us just to feel a little bit more depressed whenever we read it. But the preacher wasn't simply warning us about getting old. He he wanted us not to forget God while we are still young. Older people may struggle to hear the sermon. Young people with perfect hearing ignore it. 
Older people may have a difficult time reading the Word of God because of their declining eyesight. Teenagers, they just choose not to read it. This passage helps us think about eternal things, such as returning to our Creator at death, and encourages us to look past the here and now to prepare for the there and then. Everything is guaranteed to die, but only those who repent are baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ who receive the gift of the Holy Spirit can receive eternal life with Jesus. We must decide to serve God now. We're not making this decision out of fear. We should serve God willingly and faithfully instead of thinking salvation is some kind of fire insurance policy that delivers us from the flames of hell. Fearing and remembering our Creator is far more important than fearing dying. The fear of the Lord will help us keep His commandments. When we respect and revere the Lord in His ways, we will prosper. We will benefit from the wisdom God gives us. A healthy appreciation for the finality of this life and a strong faith in the Lord Jesus, who has gone to prepare a place for us, creates a good balance, a beautiful balance. We must all make this commitment to serve Jesus, whether we're just beginning our walk with Him, or we need to renew our faith, or we need to come back to Him. Here's another question. What are some things you would like to accomplish in your lifetime? Or said it like this, what's on your bucket list? I know on my bucket list, I want to go to Israel before Jesus comes back at Armageddon because I would like to see what Israel looks like now and then we'll see what it looks like then. I want to go to Ireland. I want to go to Italy. Pretty much I want to go to every country that starts with an I. But what's on your bucket list? What do you want to do before you go or Jesus comes? All of us will face judgment day when the Lord will review our lives. That reality alone should help us to have the fear of the Lord and prepare for the future. Hopefully we can see the wisdom of thinking past the present and looking to eternity. There's a story where a woman was doing wrong and she didn't want to stop. She felt she was being judged by others and she disliked that, so she boldly proclaimed to some of her friends, only God can judge me. And one of her friends replied, that's right, and that should make you very afraid. Judgment seems scary because all our unrepented secrets will be revealed. Every word we have spoken will be revealed, will be evaluated. People who desire privacy will find that they can't hide anything from the judgment of God. Jesus gave us the warning about secrets being revealed in Luke 8, verse 17, when he said, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. In Luke 12, verse 3, Jesus elaborated, noting that things spoken in darkness would be heard in light, and things whispered in someone's ear in a closet, must be a walk-in closet, would one day be proclaimed on a housetop where everybody would hear. Nobody can escape their words. Even NASA and other scientific organizations know that words last forever. Scientists often pick up decades-old radio or television broadcasts from space. The vast expanse of the universe can't keep these words from returning like a determined boomerang. They will come back. That should teach us to measure our words before they are measured on the righteous scales of God's justice. All of us have spoken idle words we regret. And unless we repent, God will judge us for every idle, every wrong word we have spoken. Our idle words will follow us to judgment, Matthew 12, verse 36. But that's only the beginning of our problems. The other issue lies in the fact we don't always properly examine our words. Proverbs 16, verse 2 states, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord, he weighs the spirits. Our words might seem right, but God is judge in his scales are right. Here's a question for all you Twitter users. If you are allowed only one tweet, 
or if you're not a Twitter user, just one paragraph for the world to remember you by, what would you write? If one tweet or one paragraph were to form the epitaph of your life, what would you like it to be? Judgment Day is serious, and we must make the commitment to align our words, our actions, our motives with the Word of God. If we speak the Word of God and live by it, we can be sure we won't be judged by those utterances. In fact, they'll help us to live a better life because the words we speak will be life, not death. The Word of God causes us to weigh our actions. We might be tempted to do something wrong, but the Spirit of God brings a verse of Scripture to mind to send us in the proper direction. The Lord never meant to stop us from taking action. He just wants our actions to be in sync and in line with His Word and His wisdom. Even if we think we're doing the right thing, we've got to check our motives. Are we doing the right thing for the right reason? Sometimes we might have the right idea, but the wrong motive for making a decision. So we allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to steer us in the right direction to help us stay on course. We can find ourselves heading down the wrong path because of wrong priorities. Even though we know better, a spiritual self-examination can sometimes reveal we're putting the pursuit of job satisfaction or wealth or pleasure above our relationship with God. Somebody wealthy might like to fish on Sundays in a sleek new boat, while a poor man misses church fishing on the bank with a beat-up rod and reel. It doesn't matter their station in life, whether up and out, down and out, both are failing to please God because they're putting anything else above Him. We must prioritize fearing God, keeping His commandments. That is the way of wisdom. Some even go further and quote Scripture while blatantly disobeying the very scripture they purport to preach and obey. God hasn't called us merely to lip service to his commandments. We're thankful when we hear the word of God, but we've not done enough just to hear. Even if we receive his word with gladness, we've got to do more. We must obey. That's the practical application of the word of God. Perhaps in your life you can think of someone who blatantly disobeyed the word of God. Maybe they said something like, I know what the Bible says, but... What was the result of that blatant disobedience? Did it draw them closer to God or push them farther? We should have no greater commandment or obligation in our life than to love God and keep his commandments. We think of sin as getting in the way sometimes, but life itself can prevent us from doing what's right. We must work to provide for our family. Scripture declares that a man who doesn't work and doesn't eat. However, we can't allow making a living to prevent us from living for God. One time a man testified of the great new job God had given him at the car plant, making vehicles. The pay of benefits, they were great for a growing family, but the hours, they were long and they were hard. But the man soon found himself, he was missing multiple services and lots of family events. He went to his pastor seeking counsel. He needed to know, what do I do? I'm missing church. I'm missing my kids' games and recitals and concerts. What do I do? The pastor did not tell the man what he should do. He simply looked the man in the eyes and said, you know what you need to do. You don't need me to tell you. He knew in his heart the pastor had read the situation perfectly. So the man quit his job, started his own business. The pay was less, but the rewards of time spent with God and his family, they more than made up the difference. Ask him today if he would go back to his old job and he would resoundingly deny even the hint of that possibility. Some might wonder why the Lord gave him that high-paying job in the first place, but he knows he knows the reason beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Lord wanted him to fully appreciate his walk with God and his relationship with his wife and his children. No job, no matter the money, is worth the loss of our relationship with God or our family. 
Like the man in this true story, we must fear God and keep his commandments. They must be first. The awe and reverence we feel for God should not be overshadowed by the conveniences of our life or the busyness of our day. God should never get lost in the shuffle and the hustle and the bustle of hectic days, especially around the holidays. If we fear God, we will make time for him and we will keep his commandments. This fear of the Lord should go beyond respect. We should be motivated to foster a love for our creator, our redeemer, our savior, and our hearts. When we started walking with God and felt a strong connection to Him when we first received the Holy Spirit, we must recognize that every relationship requires consistent work in nurturing. And so we must cultivate our walk with God and show our love for Him by obeying His precious Word. One more question. Can you give some examples of blessings you have received when you obeyed God and His Word? And with that, We wrap this up. The Christian woman found herself in a difficult situation at work. A couple of her co-workers were engaged in some suspicious activity. Her boss frequently left the office, leaving her in charge. And she was capable of handling the workload. More than once, she wondered what was going on. Was he sick? Were there family problems she didn't know about? Was something sinister afoot? He looked healthy, but his dealings seemed pretty shady. At the same time, she found herself carefully watching another co-worker who was in charge of financial matters. The woman had recently gotten involved with a new love interest who seemed to show up more at her work than he should. And since they all work for a community center, people came and went on a regular basis, but just something seemed off. So the God-fearing woman prayed that God would give her help with every situation. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, she thought. But the Spirit of God confirmed that she should exercise wisdom and caution even though she lacked any evidence against either person. Yet she trusted in God because she knew she served the Almighty who saw and knew things she didn't. Her concerns about her boss were confirmed when she got word that another man had threatened to shoot the boss for sleeping with his wife. The Christian woman realized that consistent absences were likely explained by adultery. But worse yet, she knew the offended husband was likely to make good on his vow of violence because he had shot another man in the past. She feared for her boss's safety, and she told him that his personal life was none of her business, but she felt she should warn him. And although we can never truly know for sure, that intervention might have saved his life. The Christian woman continued to exercise wisdom with the other co-worker, being very careful not to engage in any of the center's finances. Eventually, that co-worker's dark deeds came to light. She had begun dating an ex-convict who had not truly repented and changed his ways, and the two of them worked together to steal money from their company. The Christian woman thanked God that she had avoided being implicated because even an innocent person can sometimes fall into the snare of the wicked and really become collateral damage. In our daily lives, we must trust God that he sees things we cannot. Although the woman felt unsure if she could trust her own judgment, she knew she could trust the wisdom of God who judges perfectly. Her co-workers did not fear the Lord and they broke the commandments that prohibited adultery and theft. But because the woman feared the Lord, she was not in any danger of being shot or going to prison for theft. The fear of the Lord really is the beginning of wisdom, but it also helps us write good endings to stories in our lives that could turn out so very differently if we failed to trust and the judgment and the wisdom of God. I would like to pray for a couple of things. First off, I'd like us to examine our lives to see if we are following God and keeping his commandments. And then secondly, I'd like us to pray for God to reveal to us what he would have us to do in our lifetime 
that would bring glory to him and help make disciples for him. So let's examine ourselves and let's ask God for direction and wisdom on what he would have us to do and be. Dear Jesus, I ask you today, help us, Lord. Your word says, he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Search us today. Know our hearts, God. Let us know what is it in us that we need to examine. I pray, God, help us to know if there's anything in us, any impure motive, any wrong reasons we're doing what we're doing. I pray, forgive us, God. Search us completely, thoroughly. Search us and help us to know what you would have us to do and what you would have us to be in our lives, Lord. We want to live a life that brings you glory and honor. We want to live a life, God, that magnifies you, glorifies you. Help us to live wisely. Help us to live God esteeming and valuing the wisdom of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would help every one of us as we live our lives to live them for the glory of God and to live them wisely as we follow and we fear you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this episode's been a blessing to you. Be sure to click subscribe and share, and you'll never miss an episode, and neither will any of your friends. They'll be able to hear and follow along right here with this God's Word for Life companion podcast. Thank you so much for all those who have headed over to PentecostalPublishing.com. This is the time for great gift ideas. And if you're looking for something in your life to help somebody draw closer to God in their life and in their walk, we'll head right on over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find Bibles, Bible studies, books, music, devotionals, great resources. And right now, I do believe some of those are on sale. So head to PentecostalPublishing.com and you'll find some wonderful things to help you and others draw closer in their walk with Jesus Christ. We officially go into our winter quarter of episodes in the God's Word for Life Companion podcast, and we're going into a brand new series here in this winter quarter. That series is called The Work of the Spirit, and our first episode is called The Necessity of the Spirit. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.